first things first, I think we need to have a word of prayer. Almighty God, loving Heavenly Father, in these difficult times, where can we look to but to you and find the, the, the solutions to our needs and our problems? We pray that you be with us now and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that you'd be with me and help me to present your message to your people. Forgive us where we have failed you, strengthen us, and give us grace and strength and health. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It goes without saying that, uh, well, maybe it should, <laughs> whenever we say it goes without saying, it should go without saying. I was struck as I was preparing this, this message this morning, in the similarity between the situation of the apostles and the disciples of Jesus on what we call Easter morning. They were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. They were restricted, much as we are restricted, out of fear of the virus. But they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus was dead. That the last scene they had of Jesus was when he was laid to rest, they thought forever, in that tomb. And they were very much afraid that the fate of Jesus would wind up being their fate. Uh, and so they were cowering behind locked doors out of fear of the Jews. I take my text this morning from the 20th chapter of the book of John, starting with verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the, the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the other linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he also saw and believed, for they as yet did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own houses. Notice the discouragement of the apostles. And to me, it, it, there's one part of the scripture that stands out 
even beyond the darkness of the time of the day. That scripture that says, for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. To me, that is it's almost shocking because Jesus has repeatedly told the disciples, we go up to Jerusalem and when we get there, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. And John records it here, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again. They had the complete, honest, bare bones truth of it that Jesus said, I will rise again. And so they were walking in a sort of an almost voluntary ignorance. They were Jews. They had been raised with the idea that when the Messiah came, he would set up a, a kingdom with the Jews in charge. They would drive out the Romans, and the Jews would basically rule the world. And that was their idea. And so they looked in the scriptures, and they saw the idea that that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Anointed One. He was the King. And it was, had only been a week before that. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he entered in fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah that says, Your king comes to you meek and lowly and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus had only recently began to openly proclaim his kingship. He'd always kept a low level before this, but in the last days he was openly proclaiming himself to be the king, the Messiah, the son of David. The disciples were always glad to receive the good news that Jesus was the king of Israel and he would rule and establish the kingdom of God. They had the, the tendency read the scriptures selectively. By that, they would take what we would call proof texts about the uh, Messiah being the king and the ruler and, and all of that. But they overlooked some of the prophecies, particularly the prophecies concerning the suffering, the persecution, the, the death of the Messiah. They didn't like that idea, so they just pretty much put it out of their mind. They were in the dark. You know, it says here in the beginning, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark, and they were still walking in darkness as far as the plan of God for the Messiah. They were walking in darkness, and that darkness led to fear when Jesus was persecuted and, and killed. They didn't, really didn't know what to do with that. How could they put a handle on that? They were fearful of the unknown. You know, a child is often afraid of the dark because he doesn't know what's out there. Uh, he doesn't know it might be a, a big a monster out there ready to get him. And he's afraid because he doesn't know. And the disciples were afraid because they didn't know the prophecies that Jesus would rise again. 
They were full of doubt. They doubted even Jesus himself when he prophesied that he would rise again. They rejected the idea that Jesus would be killed. Peter point out said, no, you're not going to be killed. I will not let that happen to you. But they doubted even Jesus himself. He had openly predicted that he would die and he would rise again. They were full of doubt because of their willful ignorance. It wasn't surprising that they doubted when the word came to Peter and John that the tomb was empty. I noticed one thing as I was reading the various accounts in the Gospels of the resurrection. Nowhere in the Gospels is what we would call the literal resurrection ever described. They were told the tomb was empty, but nowhere is there a passage of Scripture that says Jesus got up off of that slab that they laid him on and walked out of the tomb. It just does not say that. The tomb was empty, is all we are told. Until Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, we have no account of Jesus being out of the tomb. Someone said one time that when the stone was rolled away, it wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out of the tomb. It was rolled away to let the disciples and his followers into the tomb to see that it was empty. It was dark up until now, but then we're going to start with verse 12. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she went, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw there two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the foot, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to them, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things to her. Notice Mary's first reaction to the empty tomb was, they've taken him away, and where have they laid him? She seems to be doubting the fact of the resurrection. All she knows is the body's gone. She doesn't know what happened to it. She doubts. All she knows is that the tomb 
is empty. And the idea of resurrection of Jesus being alive simply does not occur to her yet. Her reaction to the resurrection was a gradual thing. She went from doubt to finally realizing who it was. When Jesus spoke to her, there was evidently no hope of a resurrection. Even when she saw the empty tomb, she where have they laid him? He's still dead in her mind, but where have they laid him? She came to hope only when Jesus spoke to her in a way that she recognized who Jesus was. And then she had faith. And then she could go and tell the others that she had seen the Lord. But Jesus said, I am going to my father and your father and my God and your God. And she came and told the disciples. That's the reaction. When she finally developed a faith that Jesus was alive, her first reaction was to go and tell others. And that should be our reaction too. She had seen the Lord and had spoken these things to her. We'll continue in, in, in John's Gospel, uh, starting uh, with verse 19. Then on the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, then the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And this is where I got the parallel between the, uh, the fear of the Jews and the fear that we experience virus because we're behind locked doors. We're isolated from everybody. When the, the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Finally, they have faith. Now, Thomas wasn't there, and so he didn't see Jesus, but the others did. And when Thomas came, they told him we had seen Jesus, and Thomas wouldn't believe it. But the, the disciples finally did believe their doubts were the reason why the doors were locked. They had been told. Mary Magdalene came and told Peter and the other disciples. Yet that evening, they're still behind locked doors, and they don't believe it. But when Jesus comes, he demonstrates to them uh, that he truly is risen from the dead. And then they, the disciples believe, and Jesus says to them, Peace, peace be to you, and as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Uh, if you retain the sins, they are retained. He commissions the apostles on the basis of the faith that they now have and it's a faith which transforms them and transforms their conduct, transforms their mission, and sends them out into the world. Go and tell others. And that's the first reaction we have of real, true faith, 
is to want to go and tell others. And so if we would have a lesson from this passage, uh, we, we can see that the account of the resurrection begins in darkness. It begins in doubt. It begins in discouragement. It begins in fear. But gradually it, it, it changes. It gradually comes around. The tomb is empty, but so what? Jesus is still dead until they finally come to the realization that Jesus is alive. He lives now, and he will never die again. So uh, we go from doubt to uh, gradual awakening of faith until faith compels disciples to go out and tell others. And then we have the triumph of victory, the commission of the apostles to go out and tell the world. And that mission really applies to us because we are given a commission. We are given a task and we are given the power and the ability to complete that task. The book of Romans in the sixth chapter talks about the time when we were baptized into Christ we were baptized into his death so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in a new life, a new life. The world around us, the coming of spring, shows us the possibility of new life. I noticed this is the first time I've been out of Sherman since it seemed like forever. But uh, I noticed the blue bonnets are blooming and, and all of the trees are putting out. It's new life. And we are called also to a new life when we are raised with Jesus, baptized into his death, and then raised with him to a new life. A new life, a different life, a purposeful life. That's really the message of Easter is Jesus lives forever and he has called us to share his message to live a new life with him we die with him when we're buried with him in baptism but we are raised to walk with him in a new and a different and a full life a purposeful life an eternal life and this is the promise of easter it's a promise of life Whenever we're given a life, the question is, what are we going to do with it? And so that's the question I would leave with you this morning. Let us live the new life, the life of service, the life of testimony, the life of spreading the gospel, even in the midst of a climate of fear, because it's like the writer David said in that famous 23rd Psalm, yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so in the midst of the distress and the, the fear and the uncertainty of the epidemic of the virus, we serve a God that is greater than any virus. We serve a God who lives, and he lives forever, 
and he lives so that we can live and live a new and a different and a better life. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the wisdom and the power that you have shown in raising Jesus from the dead. And we pray that he and his spirit would live within us. Jesus breathed on his apostles and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And we receive that Holy Spirit when we are baptized into Christ. Help us to live with that spirit within us that we may live a new life, an everlasting life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.